Hello there. I didn't see you come in. My name is Will, and I continue to be your storyteller here at Academy H. If you haven't listened to us before, welcome. We are a Masks actual play podcast, and if you're not familiar with Masks, it's a Powered by the Apocalypse system where we get to pretend to be teenage superheroes with all of the interpersonal drama and conflict that that comes with. It's a good time. Feel free to stick around. Like everything we do here at Live from the Apocalypse, Academy H benefits a nonprofit or aid organization. And now that we have closed out our fundraising commitments to Planned Parenthood and the Surfrider Foundation, we are officially raising money for our newly selected charity, the International Rescue Committee. Here at Live from the Apocalypse, we pick beneficiaries, and then we set a goal of $2,000. Once we hit that goal, we vote to pick the next one, and so on. We also record this show live. You can catch us on Twitch every other Sunday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, recording two episodes, which is also where the majority of our fundraising happens. And you can find all of that info, our full schedule, socials, and Discord community link at lfta.card, that's C-A-R-R-D, dot C-O, or on our Twitch at twitch.tv slash live from the apocalypse. Feel free to join us. We would love to have you. There's not too much to talk about with this episode, so I think let's just dive on into it, shall we? Here's Academy H, Lost and Found, Part 5. After the crash, there is only silence. Marissa stumbles out from behind the nurse's station, where she ducked when the commotion started. The entire floor is filled with dust and debris, alarms still blaring overhead. She can hear people calling for help. She can hear the alerts ringing from behind the nurse's station. She can see people who are able to, evacuating the floor around her, co-workers and patients alike. She knows she should join them, but Marissa's been a nurse for a very long time. Province Memorial, as you might expect from any hospital in a city full of superheroes, is hardly a stranger to crises or emergencies. All the same, Marissa had to admit she was surprised it had been a long time since she had been caught quite so unawares as this. In fact, she realized, she still didn't know what had happened. One second, there was silence, almost peaceful. And the next thing she knew, a sound like someone had blown a wall clear off the building. And now, as she reaches the end of the hallway, checking in on patients left and right, she sees that That is exactly what happened. In this room, one wall is completely missing, blown to smithereens, exposed to 15 floors of empty air. And the only thing that remains in this room now is an empty bed. Sheets strewn everywhere with a clipboard still affixed to the end of it that reads, Dr. Charles McManus Jr., When we ended last time, we ended with Lyra, a.k.a. Bethel, in the room of your parents' house. 
you had just started to change out of your superhero costume. You had just run into your sister again, who had surprised all of you with a visit. And you had just found the bracelet that she made for you in the pocket of your costume. And upon closer examination, you discovered that it was, in fact, not glass, as you thought it was. It was, in fact, perhaps some type of crystal. What are you doing? Well, it's still evening. So unfortunately, I still have to go back downstairs. But I think in some kind of an effort to prolong having to go back downstairs as long as possible, she's going to like set Magil up to install. She's going to go and kind of like make sure everything's put away secure as it can be. And she's like washing her face. So like she's making noise upstairs so that they know she's still here. But she is prolonging having to go back downstairs and be in that situation as long as possible because she's having a really hard time reconciling the fact that her sister is finally home alongside of literally 30 minutes ago i found out that my sister might be in the city doing some terrible shit (laughs) so it's it's a lot just so just finding excuses not to go down as long as she can before finally she does rejoin the family for i guess this late evening dinner I think that's fair. You try to delay for as long as you can. Like you said, you wash your face, you change, you set up Magil to download. And around the same time that you start the download on Magil, you hear a knock at your door. Like, chuck the phone face down on the bed. Like, I lock it, chuck it face down on the bed, and I'm like, oh, don't you say anything. And then I open the door. I'm like, yep, sorry. Nina is on the other side of the door. And she has a concerned expression on her face, and she says, Is everything okay? I wanted to come check on you. You've been up here for a while. Yeah, no, everything's okay. I'm sorry. I'm just... I, 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 I was out with with friends, um, you know, uh, people I'm not going to see later because I'm... I don't know. Mom, maybe told you. I don't know. I'm going to, to Powers University, so I'm not going to see a lot of my, my friends from high school in the fall. And so we were out and uh, mom didn't say what was happening. She just said to come home. So I'm like still a little like freaked out because I thought, I don't know. I thought like maybe Babsha fell down the stairs or like somebody had been in a car accident. Uh, so I'm like, I'm really, I'm really freaked out right now. I completely understand that. And I'm sorry that my being here messed up your night. I, I really didn't want this to be a surprise but I was a very different person when I left this house. And I don't think, I don't think anyone would have welcomed that person back with open arms. I mean, I would have, Nina, I, you know, I never thought there was anything wrong. So. Well, that's sweet, but you were six. There was a lot of things you didn't know about. Well, that's, the past. That's not important. What's important is this right right now. You and me in the in the same place again. Mm-hmm. You mentioned Powers University. I mom mentioned it too, once or twice or ten times. That's really exciting. Yeah, I'm. I'm. Our, pauses because she was about to kind of like brush it mostly off as she is wont to do and then she says yeah 
I'm going to be working with glass to see if she can get any kind of a response or reaction out of Nina. And she's going to say, I'm going to be working with a lot of glass. Sounds like you're trying to pierce a mask to me. I do believe I may be. So you're going to roll with mundane. Oh, God, that's my good one. (laughs) Ten. Okay, can't get much better than that. You can ask three questions. Oh, God. So I think of the of the options definitely what do you want me to do Mm. what do you intend to do and how could i gain influence over you you mention wanting to work with glass you say that to nina and the gentle smile that she has basically had on her face ever since you saw her at dinner Mm -hmm. is going to drop off of her face for the first time, and she is going to take a step towards you to come into your room. Do you let her? No. Okay. I don't. So the smile that was on her face vanished and became more of a concerned expression. You're not fully sure just by looking at her who she's concerned about in this scenario, whether it's her or you or something else entirely, but you block her from coming into your room. And then her concerned expression changes to one of hurt when you stop her from coming into your room. And she looks around, leans in, and says very quietly so that only the two of you can hear, she says, I would really like it if we could talk in private. At the actual verbal request and not just the, I'm just going to walk into your room type of language lyra will take a take the half step back so that she can come in and lyra's going to mostly shut the door she's not going to close it all the way it's so it's like mostly closed but it's not latched like it it is clear that lyra's like i am not shutting the entire situation out (laughs) i am freaked out (laughs) nina's going to come into your room and look around what does lyra's room look like I imagine you have like trophies, probably. Some trophies, some medals. Those are all distinctly kind of in one corner, kind of shoved. They're not really displayed. They're just kind of there. And then it's a bit of a chaotic mess in an organized chaos type of way. Lyra knows where everything is, but she knows if she keeps it that way, even if somebody comes in to snoop around, they're probably less likely to find anything and being a highly paranoid person that she is, that's how she keeps things. So if she thinks she keeps everything disorganized and out in front, the things that she's actually trying to hide are better hidden. All right. So Nina comes into your room and is looking around at the trophies and everything that you have in your room. She turns to look at you after a few seconds of silence. Her whole demeanor has kind of changed. Mm Mm-hmm. She looks more serious. She carries herself a little bit differently now. She has very much dropped the sort of Stepford wife thing (laughs) that she had going on downstairs. And she is going to say, I think this will be much easier if we just speak plainly to each other. Whatever could you mean, Nina? She turns in a circle where she's standing, kind of like making a big show of looking around your room again. 
and says, so where is it? Your bracelet? It's right there. No, not the bracelet. Although I did make it for you. Mm-hmm. I meant your costume. You know, I don't compete anymore. I don't, I don't think I kept most of them. Lyra, there haven't been a lot of news reports about you, but there have been enough that when I read one about a teenage girl in Providence who could throw glass around with her mind, it wasn't hard to figure out for me. Why are you here, Nina? Because if I had had any other kind of a day, I might be a little bit more willing to believe your absolutely creepy doctor-patient relationship bullshit story you're telling downstairs to mom and dad. But that's not the kind of day I've had. So why are you here? I said that I would be honest with you, and I'm going to be. I came back for you. When I read those stories about what you were doing with your powers, I knew I had to. I didn't want you to go through what I did. I think I've been a lot better at keeping it quiet than whatever you did. I don't disagree. You're a lot smarter than I was at your age. I'm not disputing that. And you had the benefit of seeing what they did to me. Again, I would be much more open to this story you're trying to feed me. If I didn't know, you saw Luminary before you saw me. Because I don't believe you, Nina. I probably deserve that. I never should have left you here in the first place. I would. I hoped that you wouldn't end up like me. And that you would just have a normal life with a normal family. Glenn and I aren't together. But I didn't lie about him helping me. And he can help you too. Not to take away your powers, but there's a lot more to where they come from than you know. I know a fair bit. I've done my own research, and I'm getting my own help, Nina. Look, Lyra, the things that I am talking about are not written down. Whatever you've read, whatever you think you know about what we can do and where it comes from and why we can do it, it is only part of the truth. You know what? I think if we stay up here any longer, they're going to come looking for us. So I think we're done. Nina? For now, we're done. Until you can give me a reason to believe anything you're saying. And I'm just going to gesture to the door to my room. She starts to walk towards it. She turns and she starts to walk to the door. But before she reaches it, she turns around and she says, You need a reason to believe what I'm saying? Because give me one other explanation for why I would ever set foot in this house again. Nina, I'm sure coming to find me was an added benefit to whatever your trip was to Providence. But what I am telling you is I am not stupid. 
you came to Province to do something to that powers building, probably with Glenn. I'm just a side trip on this. I'm not an idiot. I didn't get threatened today for you to turn around and treat me like an idiot in my own home. I have spent so long hoping you were okay and finding out that you came back to the city to immediately cause trouble. I do not know how to talk to you right now and I don't want to. So let's just go downstairs and do what you've been doing and fucking pretend. She is uh, at a loss for words at that. She stands there for a second looks like she's trying to formulate what she's going to say next and you see her sort of sigh and then shrug and then she walks out the door i'm just gonna pick up the pillow and do a deep scream do the deep scream go downstairs to join the family and pretend to be so happy her sister came back and there's nothing wrong and she did not try to break into a secure facility and steal some kind of secret tech and or information you grab your trusty screaming pillow. Yep. You do what you have to do. And then you go back downstairs and you rejoin your family. The rest of the night is painful. I'm curious exactly what Lyra is feeling about this because the rest of the night passes. Nina puts on the same sort of, you know, perfect, like, come to Jesus persona that she had. She and Glenn play the happy couple that are very in love with each other, and you have never seen your mom so happy in your entire life. There is like a like an energy that is sort of emanating from your mom and like to the rest of the family that is kind of different from what you're used to. I think Lyra is very she feels very sad. Again, she's built up in her head kind of this idea that. She assumed that if her sister was still out there, she would be doing something ethical is the only way I can phrase it. Like maybe not even using her powers for anything, but just being out there living her life. And her hope was that, you know, eventually she would be able to do enough good with her own powers that she would be able to show that, like, look, it's okay. And like Nina can come back. And so to see this obvious facade of Nina doing everything that she knows is what her mother wanted for her family to be back together, pretending that everything is okay. When she knows literally yesterday, Nina used her power. So it's, this is a lie. That's a lie. And it's all just a lie. So she's like, she's very upset because like she wanted to have her sister back and then to turn around and have her sister just be lying. Very sad about it. And that makes sense. After dinner and dessert and coffee and chatting your family starts to trickle off your grandparents obviously they're the first ones to sort of throw in the towel they're very old and they end up going to bed your brothers excuse themselves shortly thereafter they both have busy days tomorrow your dad also has to work and it's kind of just you if you're sticking around and then your mom and nina and glenn after all the meal is done glenn you know volunteers to do the dishes So he's in the kitchen taking care of all of that. Your mom tried to help. Of course, he he said, don't worry about it. It's my pleasure. And I think that's, that's pretty much how the night 
ends after more conversation and catching up. Uh, Nina tells your mom stories about her life and you know the life that she shares with Glenn, and you don't know how much of it is true and how much of it is a lie. But I think Lyra tries to stick it out, tries to stay because she doesn't necessarily want to leave Nina alone with her mom too long. But eventually, she can't deal with it, and she probably goes upstairs and closes the door, and she she catches what Victory has been doing on choir, and she's just like, ah, good, great. <laughs> At least they're having a good night. And then she just goes to bed. She just crashes. <laughs> after you go upstairs, after you excuse yourself and go upstairs to go to bed, it's only a few minutes before you hear the front door open and close. And if you glance out your window, you can see Nina and Glenn walking to a car that's parked on the street and getting in and driving away. When you lay down, to go to bed, you hear a voice coming from your phone that says, Is everything all right? Uh, there's all right as it's going to be tonight. Would you like me to download and run crisis management protocols? You know what? You go ahead and download them, but don't run them until I have a chance to look at them. Okay. Downloading now. All right. You, you have a good night. <laughs> What should I call you? You can call me Bethel for now. We'll we'll decide later. If that changes. Bethel. It's nice to meet you. I'm Magil. Hi, Magil. <laughs> can you do me a favor? Can you not talk out loud if I'm with people? I think so. Okay. All right. Good night, Magil. You received no reply. <laughs> Done. You received no reply at first. <laughs> After about a minute of silence, Magil speaks from your phone again and says, What parameters constitute with people? There are people in this house. Should I not talk now? Can you, if there are people in the room with me, don't talk. Understood. All right, thank you. There Magil. are no people in the room. Yes, that's correct. Magil, are you saying someone else can hear us right now? What are you trying to get at? You're freaking me out, bud. I am just trying to confirm that I can talk right now. Yes, you're okay right now. But I'm going to go to bed. What would you like to talk about? Oh, Magil, please. <laughs> Magil, how about you just read me your terms and services? <laughs> and then I'm going to go to sleep while she's doing that. I would be happy to. <laughs> Fall asleep to the dulcet tones of your personalized AI reading you the terms and services. Thank you for downloading me. Magil, the best sleep I've had in years. Which contain important information about your relationship with me, Magil, including arbitration of disputes between us and your educational institution, the Brandt Academy. You will become bound by these provisions once you accept these terms and conditions. But rest assured, your privacy is of the utmost concern to me, Magil. Article Very one. good. You Ethical fall asleep. Uh, no three of you who lived in Ellis Tower on the Brandt Academy campus, Danny, Kaz, Alex, you return home triumphant from your night of brief celebrity and crepes at the local Jenny's. Victory, when you get back to your room, I think the first thing you become aware of at that point is that 
it looks like all of your victory social media presence is lightly blowing up. You are receiving more activity than you ever have before in your brief superhero career. More followers, more likes, more requires. Refrains? Refrains. They're called refrains. Refrains. Yeah, we got it. We got there. You know, the branding really just writes itself. This is all very sick and also good. Uh, I I can perceive no potential problems stemming from this. Absolutely not. No. It's going to be all gravy from here on out. (laughs) That is to say that, you know, you are not really going viral or anything, but I think like you've you've established in the past that your uh, attempts to post on social media as victory to like get attention for yourself and things like that have largely failed. Yeah. And this is the first time that you are seeing any kind of positive return. So yeah. Kaz or Danny, you are just calling it a night, I imagine. I mean, I think for Kaz, if he's going to see if Jonathan is willing to talk. All right. How are you doing this? Yeah, so he would go to his room, assuming that he didn't see Jonathan there. He'd just kind of wait a few beats and then be like, hey, I know you said you needed a breather. You willing to talk now? Jonathan will materialize on the chair that sits in front of your desk and kind of shrug. What about? I wanted to say that I'm sorry for pushing you to talk about something you obviously didn't want to talk about. And I also wanted to say that I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't give you the time to even process what you had just said to me. And that I was hearing that. And that I just kind of jumped into problem-solving mode. Because that that wasn't okay. Apology accepted. I'm sorry that I didn't tell you sooner whatever whatever this is any like gestures you know between the two of you whatever this is it clearly has implications for both of us so if one of us learns something new it only seems fair that they tell the other i mean i i get why you didn't tell me but Now that it's in the open, yeah, I agree. You can definitely tell me if I'm stepping out of line, but what was it like for you when I came back and everything went back to the way it usually is? Honestly, it kind of sucked. But also, I had kind of always figured that my not being able to remember anything about, you know, when I was alive had something to do with the fact that I was dead. But when I was alive, I still didn't remember anything. Like it was, it was pretty sick being able to eat, breathe, and use doorknobs. But it didn't really change anything. I mean, that. I mean, it sounds like it definitely did change things, but yeah, I, I hear what you're saying. Look, you're you're right, and I'd be a liar if I said that I... I'd be a liar if I said that I didn't want you to figure this out. That I didn't want you to learn the deep magic from Gandalf or whatever and figure out how to 
fix this. But I am, it is uh, really hard and scary to hope that that is a thing that could ever happen. Yeah, I, I hear that too. Kind of just figured this was it for, you know, eternity. And now there's this slim, tiny sliver of a chance that it is not, that there might be something else. And uh, the thought of finding out that, that, that even that is not real, that sounds, I don't know if I can deal with that. Feels easier to just, you know, accept that it can't happen up front. Do you want me to stop looking into this, whatever this is in that case? Because if, if you do, Jonathan, I will. I mean, no. I mean, what do I have to lose? <laughs> I mean, you did just put it out there that you could lose that last shred of hope, and I don't, I don't want that for you. Well, yeah, but I'm already dead, so it's not like I can do anything about it. Sorry, that was a lot. That, you know what, that that was a lot, but I, I don't blame you for that. I just want to know what you're doing, because I, I'm still not okay. And also, if you found a way for us to permanently trade places, I am not 100% convinced you wouldn't do it. So if you're gonna look into it and try to figure it out and whatever, I just want to know what's going on. Because that, to be clear, is off the table. I mean, I always figured that I would be checking in with you before I even tried to get more information because this involves both of us, so it's not just my story to tell. And if you were to say, I don't want you to tell this person who is teaching you the deep magic about the fact that you can see me as a ghost, I wouldn't tell them anything. And Kaz very pointedly does not address the other part of what Jonathan said. Jonathan does not seem to pick up on it, or if he does, he doesn't comment on it. And he's quiet for a second and he says, it's not actually called deep magic, is it? Because that's really dumb. I don't think it is, but I don't fucking know. Okay. But you're the one who's always telling me I can't use bone magic, so... Okay. Fair. There was one other thing that I just wanted to check in on. hmm I know for a long time, it's just been the two of us. And I'm sure it's weird for you. Now that I'm living in a place with two roommates and on a squad and all of those things. Because that hasn't really how it's been throughout our time together, such as it is. And I, I just wanted you to know things aren't going to change between us. Like, I don't, I don't need you less, and I don't want you to be in my life less just because there's other people in it. I'm, I'm not going to forget about you. He nods, and he looks contemplative for a second and says, I mean, that's... That's comforting. That's, that's nice to hear. What do you mean, two roommates? So that is a question I wasn't expecting. Well, only one of them lives here. Because the, the chick just, like, comes and goes. So the one 
that you're thinking of who I live with, uh, what is, what is, what, what do they look like? Uh, big guy does this all the time. <laughs> so what you're, uh, what you're saying is you, you haven't seen Danny. Who's Danny? Danny, uh, Danny is my other roommate. Uh, he's, he's tall and thin and wears a painter's smock and has magenta magic. Uh, I mean, no shade, but that sounds like an imaginary friend. What you are describing sounds like a made up person that like a child would come up with. I mean that that's definitely shade, Jonathan. Because uh, I can tell you that Danny is Danny. Um, I made him a bone katana. You saw me make the bone katana. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that was for him. But okay, that's uh, well, that's another data point to go on to the long list of data points that we have. Um. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry about that. I don't really know. I mean, like, if regular people can't see or hear you, that means you're a ghost. So, like, what does it mean if ghosts can't see and hear you? That's the question of the hour, isn't it? Well, that is officially outside my area of expertise. So, good luck at the magic school, I guess. Got a lot on your plate. Yeah, I guess... There's quite a few mysteries to be solved. All of a sudden, Kaz, you are exhausted. You don't know if it is the sheer amount of magic that you did tonight catching up with you in the um, fight, quote unquote, with the drug dealers, but you feel this wave of exhaustion wash over you, like you just ran 10 miles. And so I think with that, Kaz is going to hopefully not worry Jonathan in the fact that he suddenly looks exhausted and be like, you know what? Today and tonight has been a lot. I, I think I need some sleep. Yeah, I mean, that, that's fair. It's getting late. Thanks for talking with me, though. Yeah, I mean, you too. You, like, lay down on the bed, and it's quiet for a second, and then Jonathan says, Kaz? Yeah? Could you, could you turn the TV on and not say anything about it? Yeah. Yeah, I can do that, Jonathan. Thank you. And so he does. And you fall asleep. Almost immediately. Danny, you are also fairly tired. Do you have anything else you're trying to accomplish before you go to bed, or are you? Yes, something brief. Once Danny is back in his bedroom, he will open another portal, a small one, put his hand in, and pull out Masterson's missing katana. And then he will open a much larger portal that doesn't quite look like the other ones. The other ones are kind of open. This one's more like a swirling vortex a little bit. It's still the same color, but it is a little different. And he will pick up the car seat with the bone katana inside 
and he will walk into that portal, which takes him to a stark white room that appears to have no outside entrances. And he will toss Masterson's katana in the corner with a pile of food wrappers and cell phones and things he has taken and told people he will return and has not at this time done so. The only other thing in this room is the conspiracy board to end all conspiracy boards. Photos of everyone Danny has met, be they involved with the school, people he's only seen from afar, baristas with sticky note question marks all over them, bits of twine connecting the ones that he thinks there may be something, and it is truly gigantic. And then he sits on the floor and he rocks the car seat back and forth with the katana in it and whispers to it under his breath, just like, shh, 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 as he studies it intently. And then in the smallest corner, there's only like 12 photos, but over it, he has written in Sharpie, dads, question mark. I was going to ask if that's what the conspiracy board said at the top of it. <laughs> no, he has two conspiracy boards, one for dads. <laughs> And one for the future. And until he can no longer stay awake, he will spend the rest of his night in here, occasionally standing up to add things, but mostly just looking for connections. Very cool. I like to imagine that when you add things, you just open another portal and like it's an office depot or something where you just like grab yes. a pen and a post-it note. He will just steal printers as needed from office yeah. supply stores and then occasionally return them or just leave them he, he will remove them from the room wherever they may go. Right, yeah. There's a third corner that just has everyone's one missing sock. <laughs> you know, he collects that. He, missing car keys. Perfect. All right. You uh, you do eventually pass out. This feels like a very good time to do your start of session move where you roll with Savior to investigate the future, but it depends on how we want to do that because we've kind of been doing story arcs with the session rules because our episodes tend to be shorter then this game was meant to be played, so... We're still considering that arc, so we can just say when I did it last session, that'll count for it. Okay, all right. I'm good with that. The night passes uneventfully for each of you, although, Kaz, I think unless you are awoken in the morning, you sleep in much later than you ever planned to, just out of sheer exhaustion. But I think, probably most notably, Bethel, when are you reaching out to your squad mates and delivering on that promise to explain things to them tomorrow. So I think in the morning she has to contend probably with a very energetic household. So it is probably not, it's closer to noon when she reaches out because she probably has to convince her mother and everything. It's like, well, I really got to go. I didn't know this was happening and I didn't get someone to cover my shift. So I got to leave. She kind of uses the fact that they want her to be responsible and all that stuff against them in this case to be like, I can't just call out of work. Work gave me off to go to my college interview. And so probably closer to noon, she's able to wrangle and escape. I don't know how much her brothers buy that, but I think they probably don't care. Well, I was going to say, I think you are maybe contending with an energetic household, but I think the energetic part is pretty solely your mom. I think your brothers uh, have to go to work and school. I think your dad has work. Your grandparents are around as always, but they're, you know, kind of in their own little world. Your mom, though, is in 
rare form. She's off work for the summer and she's just. I think like the first thing that happens when you wake up is, is it becomes very evident to you very quickly that your mom has devised some sort of day, like a mother daughter day. She has built this plan in her head of all the things you're going to do together. And that's what you have to get away from. Definitely kind of like puts it off for at least later this week. And she's like, you know, maybe this weekend, if Nina's still in town, if I can get off work and it's not going to inconvenience anyone else. I told them I would work as much as I could before I started school. So I, you know, this counts. Oh, it must have uh, slipped our, our minds in all of the excitement last night. Your, Lyra, your, your sister and Glenn are in town because they're looking for a house. Are they? <laughs> yes. Glenn is relocating here for work. I wonder if there were issues with his practice where he was. If your mom sees a problem with it, she does not say anything. Spare Lyra's kind of used to that kind of willful blindness to things that her mother doesn't want to hear. She's like, okay, well, that's great. Then I guess we'll be seeing more of them. Maybe you and Nina can go look at houses today. I have to go to work. And your mom says, well, okay, uh, have a good day. Will you be home for dinner? Uh, I don't know. Um, if I'm not, I will text you. Uh, it would be very nice if you could be. Yeah, I will try. I will do my best, Mama. You know, I always do. I'll just plan dinner like you are, and if you can't, you just let me know, and it's fine. Don't feel bad. Okay, Mama. I love you. I will see you later. I promise I have got to go. I don't think she even really finishes her breakfast before she grabs the duffel bag with her stuff and her phone and takes off she's just like free me absolutely you get outside of your house shut the door behind you it's a beautiful day in willow hills and you are barely out the door with it shut behind you before you hear magil bethel uh-huh yeah you have received an important communication that i could not alert you about as there were people around you're doing excellent, darling. What is what is it? What is it, baby? Luminary has tried to contact you several times through me. Okay. Did she leave a message? She did not. Okay. Lara's going to take a deep breath. She walks three blocks down, four blocks over. She puts her mask on, and then she texts the address to Danny. And she's like, hey, can you pick me up? A portal just appears. That's exactly what she was hoping for. And she pops on in. And she's like, hello. Just in her regular civilian clothes, mask, duffel bag with her costume. I did ask Luminary if she would like to leave a message. And she said, and I quote, no, she's in class. I don't want to bother her. Isn't she so thoughtful, Magil? She seems very nice. Mm-hmm. I'm sure you will enjoy her when you get to meet her. I am very new. I enjoy everyone. Eventually, I will not enjoy everyone. That's fair and fine. You know, you don't have to like everyone. I like everyone, Danny says. <laughs> Just appearing next to <laughs> next to Lara. 
She's just like, good morning. She's like standing in the living room holding her phone like this, just talking to Magil, just like, hello. Very good. So, Danny, obviously you are in the suite because you opened the portal. Alex, I'm assuming, are you there as well? Are you finishing up a morning routine? What, is, what are you up to? I think at this point, Alex is currently in the process of finishing up a routine of several hundred push-ups while Kaz is sitting on his back. Yep. <laughs> Reading a book. Drinking an energy drink and reading a book. <laughs> Perfect. God Perfect. Bless. Alex, you were finishing your final push-up. Your 103rd push-up. No more, no less. If you were to push and do a 104th push-up, the consequences, mm-hmm. they could be dire. It's true. You could, you could turn into a black hole. Jesus Christ. Yep, yep. <laughs> well, Lara, I think the ball's kind of in your court. She'll like, okay, uh, I will call Luminary back when I have finished my... The second you open your mouth and start talking, your phone is still in your hand and your Magil says, oh, good morning, Magil. And Alex, your Magil from your phone says, good morning, Magil. It is rude to interrupt. And Lyra, your Magil (laughs) replies and says, I will note that for future interactions. Lyra kind of like gently covers like the part of her phone where you would speak into it and she goes oh that's unsettling i don't like that as if this could actually do anything (laughs) in this situation as if magil does not know all (laughs) like okay magil i'm gonna talk to my squad now how about this while i do that how about you go through your options and you pick out a special ringtone just for yourself for when you are not allowed to talk to me okay how about that i'm gonna put you back in my boot now okay the last thing you hear as you do that, and you can choose to respond to this or not, is a, a still very chipper sounding question of, what do I enjoy? You know what? We'll get back to that. I'm just going to put her back in the boot. <laughs> and I'm going to turn and look at the rest of the squad. So, I saw online, you guys had a good night. Danny stares at Victory with daggers in his eyes, still annoyed at how much press he was doing. <laughs> yeah no it wasn't too bad i think victory is is, uh finished up his push-ups and is now just planking with uh kaz on his back Uh, the real question on my mind is uh does alex have any ability to pick up on danny's displeasure or does alex think everything is just totally fine and everybody's on the same page and there's no tension whatsoever this is fine yeah no it's a good night and before we proceed i do have an out-of-character interpersonary question does Alex go by victory in the sense that he's when he's on campus? Like, does because I don't remember if we actually had the discussion of did you say to, you know, like your roommates to your squad? Hey, my name's Alex. This is what I wear when I'm in my home. Like, I believe that Alex has been introduced and has introduced himself as victory to the squad. So it's it is not weird if Lyra calls Alex by his name. That was the biggest concern was if I say Alex, is that going to be like? Right. No, I don't think it would be strange if Bethel called him Alex. You have introduced yourself as Alex on many occasions. I was just making sure because it was one of those things where it's like I couldn't. Mm-hmm. I'll be honest. I'm not all here. No, it's a good question. So she'll be like, okay, good. Um, so question for you guys. Uh, have you ever gotten something that you wanted so badly you just don't know what to do with it like it's literally like a touchable thing uh and yet nothing you thought would come with it 
did and it just like really doesn't feel right like at all yes alex just gets <laughs> like a ten thousand yard stare kaz just kind of looks at the ceiling and nods <laughs> <laughs> okay good really glad we're on the same page when i was a child I remember my sister started to do weird things that I don't really have a lot of cognitive memory of. But now that I'm me, I realize that she was developing kind of the same situation I'm in. And then a few years later, when I was six, I guess the family found out and they kicked her out. So I was, you know, really hopeful that one day I'd get to see my sister again and everything would be great and would be able to, you know, you break down family prejudices. You get to have a happy movie type of situation. You, everyone goes home. You get to stay home. And I think my sister trapped Luminary in a giant crystalline tower before she decided to come home. So now I feel at odds with everything. There is so much to unpack there. It's been a really long night. Is your sister nice? Well, she's not being honest with my family. She's, again, I reiterate, she trapped Luminary in a crystalline structure and then came home and told them that she's cured now. So she's actively lying. And I could understand, you know, maybe because I, you know, I am actively lying to my family, too. But then on top of actively lying about that, she's really weirdly actively lying about being in a relationship with, like, her doctor. Yikes. So, like, I feel like she's. Wait. Yeah. So, wait. Okay. So, she's lying about sleeping with her doctor oh he came with her to the house what well, i'm thinking like what a thing to lie about because like that's like right why did they have to say he was her doctor right like he could have been why? anything else right and it's like wait why why is that your cover story i guess that it's so creepy and uncomfortable that no one would think that the truth is even more uncomfortable yeah, that's so fucked up it's real creepy. So anyway, they're back in town and they're like trying to play happy family. But like, they obviously tried to break into a powers building. They may have been successful about breaking into the powers building. I am sure he's helping her on it. I don't know what he can do. Oh, um, and oh, oh, hold on. <laughs> Caveat. She knows what I can do. That was just like, you know, right out in there. So. Well, I mean, if it's any consolation. My sister also knows I'm a superhero, and every time that she comes home, it's really awkward. Yeah, but, like, if your sister chooses to tell your mom, I imagine your mom will just be like, yeah, I love it. My mom might just have a full-on psychological break, and then I will be homeless. I mean, you won't be homeless. You have a room here, but yeah, that is still, that is still not a good option. But you won't be homeless. I have a question. Mm-hmm. Your sister, it sounds like she's implying a threat to you about this. Potentially. She said she came back for me, which uh, feels really creepy and indoctrinating. 
I told her I am uh, on my own path. I may have, I don't know if she took it as a threat, but I may or may not have implied anger and possible retribution to her. I don't know. That's how I felt. I don't know if she picked up on that. Is it possible then that whatever your sister's working on could not be a bad thing? I mean, she attacked a powers building. So did we. We did not attack the Powers Building. We went to investigate the Powers Building. We thought about attacking the Powers Building and then decided it was too risky, and we didn't. Yeah. <laughs> we contemplated light burglary. It wasn't of a burglary. Powers we weren't going to take anything. See, that's the difference. She was trying to take something from the Powers Building, and all the Powers Corporation does is try to make things better for the world. Danny frowns at that sentence. It's like, so why would you try to steal something that? if it works out and it's successful, is going to be available to everyone anyway. Weird question. Yeah, go ahead. So, based on the fact that you said that your sister trapped Luminary in the crystal, mm -hmm. so we know what your sister can do. Do we have any idea what this doctor guy can do? Absolutely none, and he is really creepy. He told me his name is Glenn. I doubt that. I mean, he did the dishes. Unforgivable. <laughs> Lyra does not report that activity. All right. Whiteboard on the wall. Somebody write this down. All right. Uh, superpowers. Creepy. Name is Glenn. Doctor? Question mark. Doctor? <laughs> License revoked? Just want to circle back on one thing real quick. Danny, were you trying to theorize if Lyra's sister was somehow connected to the future? Yes. I was trying to theorize if whatever she may have been going for was... Danny does not trust powers. I feel like that's kind of been understood at this point somewhat. But specifically, Danny was trying to figure out if what she was going for was something that may cause where Danny is from. Do you think that would activate your Harbinger move? Um, You know what? I don't see why it wouldn't. Or, uh, I guess not really a move, but your, your Harbinger core mechanic of connecting the dots. So if you want to try to roll with memories, the downside is that you have to mark a condition to do it. But if you succeed, then you get to know a little bit about what role they will play in the future. I get to tell you about their future self. Yeah, roll plus memories. All right, let me do it because I am curious. Uh, I failed. It was a six. Okay, that is not the end of the world. So basically what it means is you don't get to pick their role. I get to pick their role. You do get to mark potential. Go ahead and do that because you get to do that whenever they roll. And also your memory score goes up by one because you have a, for every person who you have a role assigned to, your memory goes up. All of this conversation jogs something loose in your memory, Danny. And you suddenly begin to suspect that one of the reasons why you might have been drawn to Bethel in the first place is maybe not necessarily because she plays a significant role in the future, because you don't remember if that's true or not. You don't have anything associated with Bethel, but you do suddenly remember somebody a lot like Bethel, but different. Their powers were a lot stronger. They could do a lot more with their powers than what you have seen Lyra do so far. You remember very strongly when they died. You remember the way that they sacrificed themselves to try to avert the disaster that you came back to stop. 
And in the end, all they managed to do was buy you enough time to get away, to come back here. Your memories are still very mixed up and fuzzy, but this person you remember was somebody very important to you, someone you were very close to, and someone who gave up everything for you to be able to put this plan into action. This person was the martyr. For the first time in a while, Danny has like strong memories of, I assume this happened literally as the spell was being cast to send like the last thing he saw would have been most, if not everyone he knows dead. He assumes everyone is dead, but Mm -hmm. by the sound of it, it looks like considering Danny's everything that this would have been someone who not only was in a important role to him, but perhaps even helped raise him. And by all of that hitting him back at once, Danny is going to make eye contact with Bethel and then say, I will help you, but I will help her too. And then sit back down on the couch, just kind of staring into the void. Hmm. Okay. You can't see really fully what the reaction Lyra has to that is because of the mask, but she kind of like, does like a half nod and then she says I'm sure you'll do whatever you think you have to do but you're gonna have to accept that there might be a situation where you can't help both of us and you're gonna have to think about that yourself Danny does not respond (laughs) you're having an emotional dilemma that I am stressed out about (laughs) that's the game oh boy That's the whole game. (laughs) So at that moment, your boot starts playing a song. It takes you a few seconds to place what it is before you recognize the Leonard Nimoy Bilbo Baggins song. Oh, boy. (laughs) Lara just kind of like picks her leg up so that she can like get her phone out of her boot without like bending over, put her foot down. And she's like... Is it ringing or is it just making the noise? (laughs) It is ringing. Okay. Is there caller ID available? No. No, there is not. It is coming from an unlisted number, but as you are looking at it, Magil will whisper to you conspiratorially from your phone. It's luminary. (laughs) You should pick up. Lyra will kind of like step closer to the window and answer the phone and she will say, I was just talking about you. Well, isn't that a coincidence? I was just calling you for the third time. Yep, it has been a very busy morning. Magil has apprised me of the fact that I should uh, be taking your calls. I'm glad you set it up. I would have had no way to contact you if you hadn't, and I don't think you'll want to miss this. What's this? You've got me in suspense. You're not busy today are you no training sessions or anything i glance at the squad like no we were thinking about maybe doing some group team building but nothing official on the docket well i convinced interspec to bring you in consult on their crystal tower mystery you're the closest thing we have to a subject matter expert may i bring the rest of the squad i guess much appreciated will edgelord be there she says, Ew. <laughs> yes. 
Oh, fantastic. I really need to haze someone. So she says, you know where you're going? It's the, it starts with an H. I cannot remember what the actual name the is. The Heraclean. The Heraclean. Yes. She says, good. You'll have to show your Brandt Academy credentials. I'm assuming that's all you have. Sounds good. I'll make sure everyone has their passes. See you in an hour. Thank you. You're very welcome. Hang up. Just gonna end our fun little, our fun little tiff. <laughs> you hang up the phone and you have an hour to do whatever you want before you are due at Interspec headquarters. I mean, I'll definitely explain. She'll turn her back around with the phone and she'll be like, field trip to Interspec. Edgelord will be there. We're going to get to look at the Crystal Tower. So I guess full kits. Try to look like we know what we're doing. Which is very funny because two of you are always in full kit. Yeah, two are always in full kit. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like you say that and Kaz is just kind of like trying to figure out what that might mean. And it's just like, yeah, sure. Uh, so not to backtrack super far, unfortunately, but uh, Danny, I did forget to ask what condition you were marking for your future ability. Oh, um, it was going to be uh, angry. There you go. You are angry. It's hard to get Danny mad, so. <laughs> Congrats. <laughs> Good work, team. You get your kid on. There's a quick little Edgar Wright smash cut of like, Victory and Bethel putting on their actual costumes, and then like Kaz just puts on a denim jacket and like sits down at the table, pounds the rest of his energy drink. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Waits for everybody. I'm assuming Danny, you're just going in in your overalls and everything. Yeah, Danny will hold up two jackets, study them, and then put them both back down. <laughs> <laughs> Neither. You throw each one back into a different portal mm-hmm. and they like fall onto the racket Nordstrom yes. that you had taken them off of. One goes to Nordstrom, <laughs> the other one goes to Target. But these were not the stores they came from originally. <laughs> no. One came from a Goodwill and the other one came from my friend Dave's closet. Your friend Dave or Danny's friend? Danny's Dave? friend Dave. Okay, all right. Dave is the uh, waiter that Danny met last night at the Jenny's. Got it. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, I can't believe I forgot Dave. I'm so sorry. Dave, if you're watching, please forgive me. <laughs> Victory, you want to do a thing? So I was going to say I was going to have a thing quickly. So since, you know, Alex and Bethel both sort of went back to our respective rooms, you know, get our kits on. But I think as we're sort of both leaving and we're just sort of in the hallway, heading out to the main area, I do sort of stop Bethel briefly, leaning in to talk quietly. Hey, Bethel. I just wanted to say uh, a couple things. So I know that, you know, with this involving your sister, I know that this could create some awkwardness with, you know, your secret identity, even if we don't know who she is specifically. Once we, I don't know, encounter her, it might, some folks might be able to put two and two together. I only bring this up because I was watching your routine. We were doing the obstacle course back in the bunker, and uh, I uh, I thought it maybe looked a little familiar. Going back through some of my old uh, high school yearbooks, cheerleading squad. I just want you to know that your secret is safe with me, Rachel. 
There it is. <laughs> Lyra just kind of is like, at first she was getting a little bit nervous, and then like he's like Rachel, and she's just like, ah. she goes, mm. don't know what you're talking about with that one. Not no. Nope. Fatima. No. Stacy. Oh, absolutely not. You know what? Comes up, it comes. I'm getting warmer though, right? Well, you're you're picking names from the right graduating year, at least. So let's go. There was a uh, shard of glass like hovering at the base of <laughs> Victory's spine. <laughs> just like, <laughs> as soon as you said Rachel, it just like floated back into Lyra's hand. <laughs> Good, good, yeah. Are you portaling, I'm assuming? That is the question. Danny will open a portal, but we'll be about a mile off. And then after that happens, Danny will just say, huh, and then walk. Lyra's just going to presume that that's similar to whatever was going on last night, preventing us from him from like getting right up on any of the other buildings and will not take that in any kind of capacity and just follow. <laughs> That is fair, although he did say that he was going to send you to a random bus stop, and then he sent you to the one that was three blocks from your house, so there's that too. Yeah, but I don't think in her absolute chaos, she realized. That is very fair. All right, you were about a mile away from the Heraklion, and you barely have to walk before it comes into view. Interspec HQ is notable not only in part because it is sovereign soil, Interspec technically being an offshoot of Interpol and an agency of the United Nations is not considered a part of the country that is hosting it. And the headquarters of Interspec is in province. The original Interspec headquarters was an office building. And then that was replaced with a campus that was a collection of three or four buildings. That was about 15 years ago. The new Interspec headquarters known as the Heraklion, was constructed. And the Heraklion is a complex the size of a city block. It is one building. You would guess it has to have at least eight stories to it and lengthwise fills an entire block of the city. There is a fence around the outside. You are not sure exactly how much it is for show, but when you start to <laughs> walk up and approach in full costume, at least two of you, there are two men in interspec uniforms who step forward and hold up their hands. They are not carrying automatic weapons or anything like that. They, they do not appear to be carrying weapons of any kind on them. You do know that they have patches on the shoulders of the uniform that are stars contained within a circle. And one of them will say to you, can I help you? Uh, yes, you can. Uh, Luminary called me and asked us to come down here about an hour ago. We're here to look at your uh, your glass tower problem. And she will hold up her Grant Academy ID. Yeah, you do that and they take note of it. They look at your ID and then they glance at the rest of you. They exchange a look with each other. One of them, the same one who talked to you at first, says, All right, yeah, we were told to keep an eye out for you. So should be good to go on in. You know where you're going? Absolutely not. Oh, well, that's fine. It'll tell you. It. Building it, other it, kind of gives you like a like a lopsided smile and says, "You'll see." Thanks. Have a good day. So, Let's see what walking into. You walk through the gates 
And you do note that as you are walking through them, as the gates open in front of you, the fence appears to be a normal chain link fence that runs around the outside of the building. But the gates that open to give you access to the Heraklion itself are very different. They are made out of some kind of black metal. They are very heavy, very solid, and they open automatically. You don't see the interspec agents hit a button or anything like that. They just sort of swing open. And as you walk through the archway, all of the hair on your body stands on end. Kaz, as you walk through it, an alarm starts to go off. At that point, the gate swings shut and a red light at the top starts spinning. A klaxon is going off. Almost immediately, you are surrounded by interspec agents who do have weapons that are currently pointed at you. Damn, people really do make it a habit of threatening children around here. Yeah, Kaz, like, definitely tense just in general as he was going through the gates and probably would have tried to run, not that he would have gotten far if Bethel had not put her hand on his shoulder, so he's just kind of standing there, frozen, waiting to see what's going to happen. One of the agents who is pointing weapons at you currently is going to say, Hands where we can see him, no sudden movements. Um, Kaz very slowly raises his hands. So, I'll ask you this. Sounds like you are cooperating. Trying to. Okay. I would not be doing my job as storyteller if I didn't call your attention to those two little conditions you got up there. I was thinking about those. But, uh, you know, you're called to do what you want to do. I would never tell you to play your character. So, anyway. So, I think... Oh, no. Oh, no. In response to that... And I doubt he's going to get far, but I do think, uh, given my condition of afraid, I think Kaz tries to bolt and run away. All right. Which likely means he goes straight for the gate. Yeah, yeah. You get to the gate and you start trying to climb it. You kind of slide back down to the bottom level. And... These interspec agents, of whom there are many, are all sort of shouting, and it is generally very chaotic all around you. This is a very tense, scary situation that none of you were really prepared for. But Kaz, as you are standing in front of the gate, and about 20 or so armed interspec agents are bearing down on you, a simple wooden door appears in front of you out of thin air because i think kaz is just thinking like i'm panicking i know i have magic maybe this is my magic doing something to help me so he's gonna open it you don't have time to evaluate what is on the other side of it but as you open it you hear a disembodied voice sort of echoing in the air all around you that kind of chuckles and it says, <laughs> Dylan number two. Yep, saw that coming. Oh no, it's a crossroad. Oh, the audience doesn't even know who that is, do they? Oh no. <laughs> do we all hear it or does just Kaz hear it? That's interesting. I don't think you all hear it, but Danny, I will say that you hear it. The second Danny hears that, he takes off running towards Kaz. 
Kaz, you have a split second decision to make here where it's basically you get taken by these interspec agents or you go through the door. You're not sure what's on the other side, but it is not here. Not that I want to lead you, Jamie, but does Danny say anything? Like, does he try to get Kaz's attention? I don't think he considers that. I think he just takes off running. Mm -hmm. Bad decisions. I think Kaz is going through the door. I, I think he's going through the door. I think that makes sense. You step through the door. Danny, are you also trying to go through the door? If Danny can make it in time, he will try to. You are going to have to roll for it because it is not meant for you. But you can absolutely try to, and that is going to be unleashing your powers. So roll with Freak. Okay. Oh no. Let's get chaotic. Uh, I got a nine. Okay. So you do it, and you can mark a condition to just do it perfectly, or I can tell you how it is unstable or temporary. I feel like since this is not meant for Danny, it should be unstable uh, that makes in sense some way. To me, for sure. I think what this is going to be for Danny, this is going to be a weird half measure for you, where the door is closing. And even though it looks like a physical door, you can recognize that at its core, what this is, is it is another portal. It is a different type of portal. And so in this particular circumstance, as you see it closing, you try to use your magic to keep it open just a half second longer so that you can basically piggyback along with it. So you kind of prop the door open with your own portal, so to speak. And you get like a half second longer, which is exactly what you need to dive through it bodily. And you both disappear through the door. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of Academy H. Your continued support means the world to us. We would not be able to do this without you. Everything we do here at Live from the Apocalypse is conditional on the support of our community and the very excellent friends that we have made in just over a year of our existence. If you'd like to keep up with us and what we're up to, you can follow us on Twitter at Live from the Apoc, Instagram and TikTok at Live from the Apocalypse, or feel free to join our Discord community, which is linked in the description down below. And if you enjoyed what you heard today, feel free to give us a good rating and follow us on your podcatcher of choice. Leave a review if you're so inclined. It really does help us out so, so much. The donation link to our International Rescue Committee campaign can be found in the description if you'd like to help out at this critical time. Join us for the live recordings of Academy H every other Sunday or any of our six other ongoing live streamed campaigns that happen throughout the week over at twitch.tv slash live from the apocalypse. And once again, as always, nothing we do here would be possible without your support and we appreciate you so, so much. Until next time.
the real question is, <laughs> the real question is, am I going to try to record myself reading a generic terms and services and then like dub the Magil voice modulator over it for the episode? <laughs> oh no. We'll that's, see. that's a anyway. question between you and future editing, Will. <laughs> sure is. We do not get along. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. <laughs> um, that guy sucks. 